0: You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, where you will meet entrepreneurs, cultivators, scientists, doctors, and inventors in the cannabis industry.
1: We are proud to announce our as today's show sponsor. They're an FDA-registered CBD and rare cannabinoid manufacturer. ARVANA boasts an array of industry awards, including certifications in Good Manufacturing Practice, ISO, and HACCP. Their cutting-edge separation technology is often used within the pharmaceutical industry to isolate cannabinoids while preserving terpenes that are typically lost during the extraction process. ARVANA is your solution for CBD, cannabis, or supplemental manufacturing needs, or impeccably crafted gummies, tinctures, and creams. ARVANA, arvana.com, where quality and innovation converge. And now, on with the show. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel marketer and publicist in the cannabis industry. From a long career in the music industry as a recording rap artist, audio engineer, and marketing agency owner, Gary George stepped into the cannabis industry when his son asked for help applying for a New Jersey dispensary license. He ended up consulting and writing applications for other social equity entrepreneurs and even launched a yearly conference to support their business growth called the real cannabis entrepreneur it's a two-day business boot camp and will have its fifth show in newark new jersey this october 4th and 5th gary knows the new jersey cannabis industry inside and out and shares hot tips on how to navigate the marketplace listen in.
0: What's up? Let me turn my camera on. Hold on. Am I here? Yes. Oh, I mean... you
1: got your whole space there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh... Smoke machines, we got it all. Glow boxes and all kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. no, it looks great. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, so I keep the brand now. I just keep it here permanently, you know what I mean? Uh... Yeah.
1: yeah, it seems like you have a really nice family, honestly. I, I, when I, I stopped by your show last year, the um, Real Cannabis uh, Entrepreneur Conference, and yeah. Yeah, just brought your wife on. I know she's very involved. It just seems like a great, uh, great family uh, thing you're doing there. So,
0: yeah, we've always been family oriented, family business, because I've been an entrepreneur since I was since birth. So uh, Uh, my kids know it and uh, and everybody else, they've been born and raised. They're the same way. They're all entrepreneurs now. They're all moving into space, doing their thing.
1: Um, can you just give us an overview of what's happening in New Jersey? Like, what's the state of New Jersey, and uh, as far as you know, applications that are being processed now? Have they stopped it? And also, is New Jersey a limited license state? I'm not sure about that. Nope. Uh,
0: no. No. Okay. <clears throat> oh yes, yes it is. I'm sorry. Yes, limited it license state. Okay. Yes.
1: And what's their stance on uh, social equity? And I know this is really how you got into it. Is is now you're built, you know, uh, serendipitously, you know, by helping out some. Well, your son first of all, right? Uh, to, uh, go for a license, and now you're helping all, a bunch of other entrepreneurs. And now you're becoming kind of the face of social equity entrepreneurship. I feel like in New Jersey, that's how I viewed you before. We, you know, um, so anyway, if you could give us the uh, what? Where are we with New Jersey and
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: no problem, no problem. Where we are in New Jersey and what we're getting into now and the current status of the cannabis market, right? Right now we've been going for two plus years, right? Just getting everybody going over the past year. Um, everyone's starting, been going through the licensing process, um, to get their conditionals now moving towards the, what was called the annual conversion. That's when you can actually open the doors. So we had over 700 applications that went in for those conditional licenses. There's only 400 towns in New Jersey, only half of them opted in. So that's like 200 towns. We got 700 applicants out of those 700, they got to whittle them down and see who goes through from there. And that's where we're at now. Uh, and, and we have about, I think there's 47 retail dispensaries open in New Jersey, recreational retail dispensaries, uh, about 13 of those were the medical guys who flipped the wreck, And then now those independents are now there. So we are beating New York now. We are beating New York. New York was killing us at one point. And I was like, man, New York is going to really beat us. And, uh, <laughs> the New York did yeah. beat Jersey. They did in terms of launching first and getting the first one out of the gate. But New Jersey's coming back up. We're we're battling it, as New York and Jersey always does, right, to get the money. <laughs> and we're coming back in a little bit. So now our numbers are a little over top of New York or what they're doing. I think New York has like 20-something. Yeah, I open.
1: think we're 20-something, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that's where we are in New Jersey. I mean, we're running out of slots. The municipalities only have a select number of slots for every individual to operate. They may say it's only going to be two retail, two cultivation, two whatever. And we're at the point now where uh the lot of those slots are filled. Those people have they've been allocated. That means no one else has anywhere to go until those other towns opt in. So that's where we are in New Jersey. It's a very critical state in cannabis uh, business. Yeah.
1: So are they so out of um 700 applicants. Is Has anyone been approved? And I mean, I don't know if you would know this, but but I know there's only 47 open, but would there be any others that are kind of in the pipeline that have yep. already been approved?
0: Oh yeah, there's a bunch. bunch of them that have their annual licenses approved, but then you still have to wait for the state inspector to come out. You got to go through the architect, the site plan, the this, the that, all these other things before you can get all the way open. So everyone's kind of there right now waiting for those last steps so they can get it open.
1: And and how has um how has New Jersey been with social equity uh, entrepreneurs?
0: Uh, social equity um uh, are they are they, uh.
1: succeeding? are they pushing? Are they giving? Anymore I mean, yeah,
0: they have been helping in terms of like, um, you know, helping a few out with lesser fees and things like that. That's about all that they gave to the social equity. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proponent that, um, yeah, social equity is good. They should give those negatively impacted by the war on drugs, uh, particularly Black people who have been negatively impacted and all the other things that we've been through and still locked up to this day. We should get some type of, um, uh, uh some uh, consolation prize. But the consolation prize that New Jersey gave us wasn't quite what we were all looking for. They pretty much just said, hey, guys, initially they said, hey, social equity, guys, if you're social equity and you qualify, you've been negatively impacted, you are going to, they, they were saying, you're going to get precedence in the beginning. And we all said, yay, okay, this is great. You were, going to give the, we're going to give the social equity guys some type of benefit. They didn't tell us what benefit, right? It was a news uh, headline. And then after the benefit came out and we read the fine print in the reg docs, it said social equity Here's your benefit and your prize. Your prize is we will review your application first. That's what you get for us, locking you up, still having you locked up, still having your people locked up. Guess what, guys? We're not gonna do anything else for you. We're not gonna give you no money. We're not even gonna do, we'll just review it first. And I'll just look at that and I kind of laugh. A no interest <laughs> loan or, or nothing, no low, loan. About a low interest no help. Loan? Right, right. No help, no, no business, nothing. Just said we'll review. Your application before everyone else. You have priority status. Really, guys? It didn't matter at the end of the day because look how long we're all waiting. That priority meant nothing. It meant zero. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, that's my take on it.
1: Okay, out of the forty-seven open, are are there any social equity entrepreneurs that made it through? Like they said, like you guys get first, you know.
0: Uh, the first social equity um, dispensary opening. I was just talking to her yesterday, and I forgot her name, but she just—it's a female. She just opened. She's a, she has the first social equity retail recre- all recreational dispensary. It did open. There's one, one, one so far. Yep.
1: Okay. okay. One so, so far.
0: One, one out of 40. <laughs> one out of okay.
1: And the market's been open. Were we open at the same time? Two years? What, what has it been? Almost two years now?
0: No, New York came in later. New York came in in about oh, eight months done. after Jersey did. That's why I said, I said, man, if New York beats us and they came in almost a year after us. Oh, that's, that's what I
1: thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew we were somewhere. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like the States, even if they don't, do anything drastic to help social equity entrepreneurs, you know, like, all right, don't give them a low business loan or whatever, but support their their journey, handhold them, set up a program that, because most of the people, not even social equity entrepreneurs, but most entrepreneurs entering this industry right now are new entrepreneurs. There's going to be a lot of failure. You can't just go, oh, I want to go open a business. So I feel like the least uh, that New Jersey could have done was set up some sort of program,
0: business program. Absolutely. Yeah. Something to give some support. And they, they wind up doing that after about a year later, there's njbi I forget what it is, there's so many acronyms, but the business Something. And and Penny while she runs that. Uh, they were at the conference last year. They have a whole program where they're training people, teaching people. Um, and it's a free services that they get for the entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So they did roll that out, which is cool. That's out there. But again, uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of late because we're 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 a lot of those people didn't make it already. You know what I mean? And so they tried. But I think the timing was a little but they did at least do that. And I think what other program did they have? They have the grant program out here as well, where they're doing, um, I forgot, a number of grants for a number of individual social equity applicants and things like that. So Jersey did put those things in place, um, but that was about it. Yes. And these are first-time entrepreneurs who really need some handholding. Yeah. Um, I, I i mean, I do agree that it's not the state's responsibility to make sure that you know what the hell you're doing in terms of business, but, um, but you do understand the, the rodeo that we're playing and we're playing with some individuals who were- uh, negatively impacted and slighted in some way, those things should be uh, also uh, rectified when you're going to correct them. And more corrective measures would be not priority review, like you said, would be something like, "Hey, give us <clears throat> some training, give us some grant access to money, give us something else, some real estate."
1: I know that you have worked with a lot of um, you know uh, people doing their applications and and so you've seen a lot of entrepreneurs coming through and you see the mistakes that they've been making and so that's why i thought that this would be a great conversation just to kind of go down the list oh, and yeah i'll get your comments about what you're seeing all these people you know the mistakes are making so one of the first ones that you had on your list is that a lot of them are underestimating the cost of startup
0: bingo bingo right that's always an underestimation with all entrepreneurs no matter what we do right we're always underestimating costs you got to overestimate especially in cannabis because there is way too many unknowns and we're seeing that happen in real time in new york right now look at what's happening right now new york whole market stalled because of the veterans veterans came back and said guys this is unconstitutional we cannot have the guys who were negatively impacted by the war on drugs uh get priority over us right now the veterans come out right and the veterans were already in Included, they were like second. It was like, it was like uh the black and brown and then the women and then uh the veterans and then the women. So they were like second, but they still said no. And this is what happens because of that. They have uh that argument is a valid argument in these courts of law. And it has been used in Ohio to stall the whole program for two years. And in New York, we're in that same scenario right now. And look at the everyone who's there. This is the reason why you have to overestimate your cost because you could be sitting in limbo for X number of months just in litigation. We already had that in New York already. This is a- second time. The first time was last summer. Remember Brooklyn and upstate New York? All of them got frozen because of some other lawsuit that came. They wind up getting that worked out in about two months. But that's the reason why your cost estimation really has to be about um, uh, disaster prevention. You got to more be thinking about that more more so than everything else. Uh, the other thing that people underestimate is the fact that A lot of your professional services and things that you're going to need to really get this business up and running, um, you try to not put those things to the front of the line and put them to the back. It's a mistake that most entrepreneurs make. By doing that and hiring people later and trying to to put it, stitch it together in the beginning, you wind up costing yourself so much more money for the professional to come in and unravel what you did. And especially in cannabis, because we have to be regulated and compliant. So now if you make one little stupid mistake and you're not the professional, the HR professional, the payroll professional, and you're sitting there trying to do your freaking payroll... And you make one mistake and and the Cannabis Commission comes and finds that you are now in in, in for $10,000, $20,000 fine. So it's not a game. And the reason why that those costs need to be there so that you not only get in business, but stay in business.
1: Right, right, right. And how about um, uh, underestimating timelines? I guess it kind of goes really with the cost of, of not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was kind of me speaking to it again with these stalls and everything else. Um, there's so many things in the line. You you are waiting for municipalities. When we're dealing with cannabis, we're waiting for the cities, the municipalities. And guys, if you've, anyone who's dealt with municipalities and cities know what we're talking about. Anyone who hasn't, you have no idea. But they move like snails. And there's nothing you can do. There's a council. There's this, there's that. They all have to meet. They all got to do this. And Someone's on vacation. We can't do it yet. This is what you have to go through. And meanwhile, you're paying rent every single month while the council's members are on vacation and they can't do it because this council member went on vacation. Oh, we can't make a vote today because X, Y, Z. All those cannabis entrepreneurs are still sitting there. saying, Oh, my gosh. Now we got to wait another month. Another check, another eight thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars out at the door because they couldn't make the decision this month. That is the reason why you must put those timelines you got to double them. I tell everybody, double your budget and double your timeline. Look <laughs> you down have, whatever you think and double it.
1: Bureaucracy? Mm-hmm. Come on. What do we, you know? Uh, yes. And, and what about uh, chasing paperwork?
0: Yes, chasing paperwork has been such a big thing in New Jersey, right? Everybody is so gung-ho. Everybody was yelling, yay, I got my conditional. Yay, I got this. Yay. They all were thinking that the investors were going to be pouring in and say, oh, wow, you got this conditional license. You have a cannabis license. No, that's not a cannabis license. That's a conditional license. Just saying that you just did a minimal amount of freaking paperwork. That does not show you know how to operate a business. That does not prove that you're going to get a a, a municipality approval, which is the bread and butter of all things in, in cannabis. Unless that municipality tells you you can operate in that town, you got nothing unless you got a building that is in the zone that that town told you you can operate in you got nothing so with that being said chasing the paperwork everybody was going around doing all the paperwork to show off to the investors they realized that that was a dead end and investors were saying that's not enough for us you got to get to the next step and the next step and then show us that this is guaranteed the municipality got a guarantee gotta have this building in place Uh uh-huh so that's why now it's about operations everybody was still still focused so heavily on paperwork I'm like, guys, you're not spending enough time thinking about operations, the real business side of this thing. This is a very complicated business. You're a first-time business owner. Not only you're a first-time business owner, but you're in a super complicated business. You really should be focusing this pre-time that you have in waiting in the waiting period because everyone's waiting, waiting for the council, waiting for approval, waiting for this. No one knows what to do while they're waiting, but all the entrepreneurs should be working on operations right now, getting a head start right now while you're waiting. This is the perfect time because once you start operating, it's too late. It's only 24 hours in a day, right? Right? So right now, that's what everybody should be doing instead of chasing that paperwork. Get on studying real operational stuff to get yourself going.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. If we have enough time, I want to do- dive into those bullet points, too, that you're talking about And once yeah. you have a license. Okay. So um, how about, uh, you know, team sports, like knowing when to get help? Are you seeing a lot of people trying to tough it out? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, way too many, way too many, Pam, trying to tough it out by themselves and not playing, uh, using this as, um, this is a team sport all the way, cannabis is. It's impossible for you to do this by yourself. You got to have 20, 18 employees. You got to have all this stuff, moving parts and components. You need some partners. You need some people with expertise in certain categories that are going to make it effective for you. Um, So, That's one of the biggest mistakes I've seen a lot of the entrepreneurs taking in both New York and New Jersey, trying to go on on their own and realizing that they've uh, took on a bit too much for their own plates. And that they would have been better off partnering with someone, uh, not just from a a perspective of work, but also finance, connections. All of these things are important in cannabis. So the more people you have on your team, the more of those things that you potentially have to cross all the T's and dot all the I's.
1: Mm. So what about, I I always find this interesting because I really don't have that much experience in it, but a weak pitch deck and deal structure.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that is right. The deal structure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a weak pitch deck is one of the biggest things. And I had Dr. Dave, when well, we were talking about that, doing a webinar earlier this week uh, about weak pitch decks and what you have to do. That is one of the biggest problems that we saw in entrepreneurs again in New Jersey, the guys would come and show me their pitch deck and I would say, no wonder, you know, there was, Oh, I can't raise the money. I'm having a hard time. Nobody wants to invest. You'll hear everyone saying that right now. It's not that everyone does not want to invest and nobody has the money. It's the way that it's being presented. This again is a highly complicated business right? And you're going to go to your rich uncle and try to explain this complicated business and make them comfortable enough to give you a million dollars. You got to really put some time, effort, and energy into being able to pitch uncle, Mr. Rich Uncle, on every little aspect of that business. And that's the part that these entrepreneurs are not doing. They're getting the surface level amount of information, not enough to really pitch and fully educate their con- their investors. Because we're in cannabis, We're at a disadvantage in pitching. We have to pitch and educate at the same time because we're dealing with something completely new. It's not like a, a, a run of the mill, other type of startup where the investor hey the investor says, yeah, I'm in finance. I'm in energy. I'm familiar with these types of deals. Yeah. These guys, this is cannabis. It's all brand new for everybody. It's all over the place. So you got to do some really high level explanations. And that's the reason why people aren't getting the money. Weak. Their pitch decks are weak. They don't know how to put them together. And the deal structure was weak. How you structure your deal. Uh, a lot of these entrepreneurs are coming in and they're first time entrepreneurs. It's a plague from first-time entrepreneurs. They've heard horror stories of people taking over their companies. And now most small entrepreneurs come in with the mindset, I don't want to give up any of my company. They're going to take over my company. And I'm like, guys, this is a team sport. If you don't give up some of that company, if you don't give up some of the equity, you better have all the money in your bank account. If you don't have all the money in your bank account, you better be prepared to give up some of that equity out of your company because that's all you have to pay. You don't have money, cash, to entice this guy and that guy to do this for you. All you have is what the potential of your business is, and that's actually a pretty good deal because it's not guaranteed you're going to succeed. So the person who even taking that equity, it's not real money. It's played. It's monopoly money. It's, you got to make it real. So they're still they're believing in you to give it to you, even when it's that level. So yeah, we pitch that bad deal structure. You got to put those deals together properly. Do not be greedy, guys, and understand you got to make it advantageous for both sides. You're not trying to go into hardcore negotiations. And, and try to beat someone your opponent to a pulp that is not how you do good business ladies and gentlemen the good negotiators make everyone come out of that negotiation room feeling like we are all winners you everyone has been overcompensated we all are happy that's the way you make great business partners and great business deals that continue to go
1: that's right and don't hoard your marbles and keep it all to yourself if you not even if you're looking for money and investors but if you if you need just some people to work hard for you and, you know, give it 200%, give a piece of the pie to someone who's worth it and, and, you know, bring in those partners and, you know, there's Absolutely. a of round of, some of
0: these businesses, you know, so. It really is. And that's one of the things I've done in all my businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur. And that was one of the things that I learned very early on. I did not like micromanaging employees and micromanaging employees is something that you have to do sometimes if you don't have some of the other things in place that make them feel part of the game. Once I implemented and said, you know what, I'm going to make it so that all my employees are owners. Now I want you to think like me. I want you to not just do what I tell you to do. I want you to think about other things that are wrong Mm -hmm. with the company and think, come to me and say, yo, Gary, I was thinking about this weekend, man. We can make more money if we do this Is this. Why? Because now you got skin in the game. And now when the company makes more money, you make more money. When we make less money, you make less money. When you do it that way, you get the best out of the people that you are associated, affiliated with. And everyone's working towards a common goal. That's the way I structure all of my companies. The way I encourage everyone to structure all of yours as well.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. I'm an advocate of that and it builds good company culture. It it Mm -hmm. creates company culture. That's not toxic because everybody has skin in the game. It's just makes complete sense. It does. It does. So, so would you recommend then, I guess somebody obviously hire a professional to do their pitch deck, but structuring their deal, you know, like, again, you you hear people saying there's a lot of sharks in the industry and a lot of people are, you know, I don't know if that's true. I haven't tried to go out for money, but it sounds like there's some people trying to take advantage and I've heard it from a number of people. So yes. would you would you just recommend they they seek a broker of, of some sort or an and I guess someone specializing in cannabis?
0: Um yeah, you really want to see someone who specializes in cannabis. You can come to me guys, actually. Just go to realcannaconsulting.com, realcannaconsulting.com. I have all the formulas, deal structures, pitch decks, everything else that you may need to do this thing and understand the differences between how you raise a capital and how you can uh, legally take the capital. That's also another part of the of the process that many people weren't uh, prepared for. They went out and pitched and then they got someone to say yes and then they were like, well, where do I send them money? How do I send them money? Where's the agreement And they didn't have all of that stuff set up. That is a complete burner um, and a way to destroy an investor. So you have to have those things in place that, that you can legally accept the funds. You have to have them fill out some uh, paperwork your investors and stuff like that to cover yourself, cover them, um, and those kinds of things. That's just something that is super important in making these things successful.
1: Okay. So your consultancy business is, is, uh, is, is bigger than your, your conference.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And the consulting came out of a pure necessity. I never intended to do it. It was just people calling me, asking me for help over and over and over again. And I didn't have enough time to help. And I finally say, all right, guys, I got to help you. I can't just let everybody go sit and waver and fall by the wayside. Otherwise we're just going to let all the big MSOs take all of these slots and everyone's going to get price fixed. So it's going to be a jacked up market. And that was when I really had to stop um, a little bit, adjust some of my focus to helping some of our other entrepreneurs get in place.
1: Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, most people, well, most people who want to be entrepreneurs, I feel like are always stopped at the gate of how do I do that? You know, they're always they, they're they always fearful of, well, I don't know how to do that. So you are good access to um you know you've already did the applications you know what to go for and you know how to position it so many people are afraid of those steps but you're an entrepreneur so you're not so yeah
0: and the thing we had
1: yeah it's easy for you just to go in there and start tearing it apart and pulling it apart and attacking it
0: absolutely and because i was uh i was um you know i forced myself to do my son's application because he wanted to go through and i knew i needed to learn it because i teach this to everybody else so i wanted to see it firsthand once I did it and went through everything, I knew everything inside and out. I was like, okay, this is good. Let me share this information with others. So that's why I started to do the consulting as well, because not only did I do it, but I did it at a fraction of the cost, of course, because I know so much of the processes and I have so much of the paperwork and I got so many friends who give me all of these different things that I got. So I used all of those things that they gave me to benefit everybody else in the line and say, guys, if you want to get through, you don't have to spend a hundred, 150,000. I got a way to get you through for 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. Cause I'm going to show you all the shortcuts. We're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. And that's how I started. The consulting, just as a necessity, to get more of my people who didn't have the hundred and hundred fifty thousand to go through the whole conditional process that could get through it another way. So that's 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 what we're doing.
1: And New York and New, New Jersey wasn't doing anything special like this to herd people through who really needed that help. And you are, and I think that's that's really amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, no, really. Um, so, what about municipality selection? I'm, I'm sure there's a, a strategy for getting in their door under and their rating. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's the big one. That's one of the big things that I coach people through in my consult when when I when, when we go through the consulting process is municipality selection. It's one of your I mean it's one of your most important decisions because this is the this is the place that's going to make or break you. You got to either have you got to have some type of faith, some type of connection, some type of something that, that is going to give you an edge over some other applicant in that same municipality. So, municipality selection, you got to you have to weigh what things you have, what things um uh, do you have any family members that might be in government? Do you have any of this that might be? Do you, were you uh, into politics? Did you have any influence? Did you donate to the P- PBA or whatever it may be? You have to find all those different things. Municipality is all about selecting the right one because if you don't, you're just going to get shot down. And you don't know who you're competing against in these municipalities either. That's what's crazy about it. You have no idea who you're competing against. You could be competing against the guy down the street who has has been a family-owned business, been in that same town for 60 years, and he goes to flip for a cannabis license. You come in brand new. You're not even from that town. Who you think they're picking? You know, right? Who you think they're picking? Yeah. So these are the things that you have to use strategy, not just going in blindly, but now you have to think about all these different scenarios and say, do we have a strong case? Do we have a strong enough case to win it in this town? Or we do we have enough influence in this town? That is where we, that's a lot of why I spend a lot of my time consulting and, and guiding my clients through the landmine, a municipality selection.
1: And then it, once, you, once you kind of figure it out, do you recommend they go in and, I mean, is it going to be too obvious, like an uh, someone from another town joining their, their community board or is that how you kind of, All is, co- is that how you recommend wiggling in there?
0: Oh yeah, we do a ton of that. Everybody does. All okay. the MSOs, finding a local partner, we call them. Local partners, local partners, local partners, <laughs> right? That's the key word in cannabis. Local partners. Got to find a local partner, 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 partner. Everybody's <laughs> all the MSOs have local partners. They all have some individual who lives there who's a Joe Schmo who's getting 5% just for being a Joe Schmo and he lives there and he's got residency. Right? Oh. That's how it works in cannabis, right? Oh. So uh, yeah, so everyone is, is, is there and then you go find a local guy who might have some chops to help you get XYZ. Now, if that individual doesn't have as much chops as you know the person you're competing in, then it's a moot point anyway. So then it's all this that you don't find out until you get in that actual rat race, and you've already dumped fifty thousand, forty thousand, twenty thousand, secured a building, paid the five thousand, ten thousand application fee. By the way, New Jersey application fees. These municipalities got smarter and smarter and greedier and greedier. And they went from when they first started, they were about a thousand dollars, and then he went to three, then he went to five, then he went to ten, then he went to twelve, and the latest one I've seen, the highest one I have seen. $27,000 plus a $5,000 escrow. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> $27,000 $5,000 escrow. I read the fine print. I said, what's this escrow for? This escrow fee. They yeah, say, what's this the escrow fee? It's for so we can properly transfer your money. I'm like- I could go drop my $5,000 off myself. <laughs> oh. I mean, these towns are getting really creative. I will oh say. My. They're like, oh my. What? That's, <laughs> and
1: that's a, that you would lose that's that?
0: Re- you yeah. lose it. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> just all of these are roll of the dice. This is your application fee. The application fee is just one portion of the risk, the financial risk you take. You have to go secure a building, a commercial building. You need site control. Site control requires you now to go to these landlords and get a 10 year lease, set this up and set it up in a way that they're going to give you a, 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 a reasonable rent to make it last through this whole process. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what um and what can you recommend or uh, what advice can you give about, you know, negotiating your real estate?
0: Oh, yeah. A lot of that. I've done so much of that. <laughs> negotiating real estate, running around. Make friends with your landlords, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you that. That's the number one way to get that, everything done like all business, period. When people like you, they do things for you. That was the way that I was able to get highly effective at securing properties very quickly because I was super proactive, and anytime a landlord told me, hey, Gary, you know what? Why don't you come up tomorrow and see me tomorrow? No. What are you doing right now? What is about dinner? Let me take you to dinner right now. Let me go here right now. I was always just going and seeing them immediately so that I could establish that I'm not the Joe Schmo that calls. There's a million Joe Schmoe's that call that landlord all day. You got to show them that you're different. How awake can you show them that you're different? And that's one of the ways of me saying immediately, what? No, forget tomorrow. Tonight, let's go. Let's go to dinner. Let's go to lunch. Let's get a coffee. Well, you got five minutes, I'll be there. Whatever, drop whatever you're doing and go to those landlords, negotiate those deals. So you got to show them that. And the second thing is you got to show them you're knowledgeable. And you got to show the landlord that you are, um, you have to convince the landlord. That was the thing that I also did not realize about this whole process. I thought it was going to be about, uh, you know, landlords. I just thought it was going to be about the money thing, you know, paying them the money. But I realized it wasn't. Landlords also have to like you. They pick who they want, right? And now you got 20, 40, 50 people all of a sudden calling this one guy for this building. He can pick and cherry pick who he wants. And who's he going to pick? The guy that he thinks has the highest probability of winning the license. Because remember, no one's guaranteed. He could rent you this building for now and you lose the license and then he got to rent to someone else. So mm-hmm. all the landlords are concerned with is how probable are you in winning? That's what they want to know to pick their their applicant. How, me, how strong is yours? Or you got a high probability of winning? Then I want to ride with you. So you got to convince that landlord that I'm thorough. I'm going to win, Mr. Landlord, you know, and I know what I'm doing. You got all those. Stuff. There's a lot of convincing in cannabis. You got to convince investors. You got to convince the landlords. You got to convince the municipalities. You got to convince the mayor. You got to convince the, the chief of police. I mean, it's all of
1: this. Yeah, seriously. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. OK. How about uh, tech stack research and preparation?
0: Oh yeah, tech. Now that is another thing that all of the entrepreneurs have been putting to the wayside. I'm just going to tell you guys right now, you're in for a rude awakening. And I will just tell you all, just look at the historical data. Both dispensaries in New York opened up without their POS systems up and running. Both of them opened. They had their menu on a piece of paper, y'all. A piece of paper. Yes, because their tech stack was not in line. And they didn't even have the POS in, in place so that people could get it right there. That uh, Again, these are the big expenses that I'm telling you about that someone that accountant's going to have to go back and fix that compliance is going to go back. They got to get it in a metric system. It's got to match up with metric. So all these different things that you need to have in the beginning. So I was just so surprised when people I hadn't gone to the grand openings, but I had many friends who went and I asked them about it. And they all told me, I said, how was their menu? So it was on paper. So what? <laughs> I laughed. I said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, POS is a uh, POS is a point of sale system. I always say POS. Let me stop uh, abbreviate point of sale system. It's a system that you use to check out everybody out and everything. It's the most important thing in a retail store. Um, it should be one of the first things that you uh, research and put into place in a retail store. It runs everything in your store. How you not gonna? And we're in regulated freaking cannabis. Wow. Not only are our transactions got to be accounted for in my POS, it has to be passed to the state based metric system and match up perfectly or I'm gonna get another fifteen twenty thousand dollar fine. So anyone not playing Uh, Anyone that's out there really playing games with the tech stack and not getting things together, you're really playing with fire. Another thing I will tell people is about redundancy and uh, destruction. I'm I'm a tech head and I'm a guy who's dealt with servers and done all this stuff forever. Uh, Redundancy is key. You better have those redundant servers. You better have backups. You better have cloud backups. You better have on-site backups everywhere. We have to have cameras cover every single inch of every facility 24-7. Do you know how much footage that is? That's HD quality footage they want us to keep. And you know what, Pam? Pam, they told us we have to keep it for 30 days or 60 days. 60 days, 32 cameras, 24 hours of HD footage. That's a big file. That file's probably like 400 gig, 300 gigabytes. And I got 30 cameras. And I gotta keep them for 60 days. Did you see the math here? How much data? So no one's keep, I know so many people are floundering and doing some stuff and they're not really keeping, but you know what's gonna come back to bite them? One of those cameras go down. Anything goes down with that camera, the uh, cannabis com- uh, commission comes and they say, where's your fail log? That's a tech talk for you supposed to have your service and everything else was supposed to tell us why that camera went down, how long it was down, why, what happened when it was down. And how quickly it got back up. If you don't and have those, what no are
1: family, you hiding? What are you hiding? Yeah,
0: yep, <laughs> yes. And what did you guys try to take out the back door? Yeah, when what did you guys down? try to take right. out the back door? Or what did you bring in the back door? Right, right. Or what else did you bring in the back door? <laughs> so now you got to go through all of this to explain. But if you don't, if that. Uh, camera footage went out and you didn't have any backs. You didn't have anything to that. You're getting big fines, man. So this is not a game, ladies and gentlemen. you got to That's have the tax debt. Right. That.
1: That's such a good point because you know what? The person, the inspector showing up to, to look for those fines have to walk away with a fine and they don't, they're, they don't care. They'll just, they need to walk away with a fine. They have to meet a quota. It's like, you yeah. know, the cops and, you know, I've dealt with health department inspections before. They don't care. They'll just, you're a small business, you know, oh, 50 Thousand dollar fine. That does mean nothing to them.
0: Exactly, so, yeah. especially Same cannabis. Time. Especially cannabis. They always look at cannabis as like we got a bazillion, gazillion dollars to do everything. They don't understand it. That uh, some but most of the cannabis professionals are struggling and, and fledgling and getting it. But they think everyone has a bazillion dollars, so they're quick to say, "Yeah, hey, whatever, man, pay it." Whatever. Yeah. 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 You okay. got the money. Yep.
1: Yeah. Oh I know. And the tech stack in cannabis is still being built because it's so customized to our industry.
0: And it's costly. And it's costly. And 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 the fact that a lot of your core business data I mean as well that has to be maintained and the people don't value that I value that more than anything it's my core business data needs to be backed up all of my transactional data all of my other data everything I need to have not only I'm always backing my I do manual backups of my own stuff I have server backups I got automated backups I don't play with backups and I encourage all you guys to do the same because the, the moment the day you lose something is the day when you will say I will never get caught like this again and it's a worse feeling so backup everything it's a small uh, price to keep your sanity and keep your uh, business running safely.
1: Yeah, good, good, good advice. So mm-hmm. how about, a? oh, so uh, now we'll jump to the, once you have your license and you're right. waiting to get opened, uh, there's a few things that you really think are really important, like a hiring plan.
0: Yes. Yeah. That was also one of the things I was saying, uh, Pam, that people are sitting by the wayside, you know, just did all the paperwork now and they don't know what to do. And they're waiting for the council. They're waiting for this, they're waiting for that. And they're not doing anything. They should be working on that hiring plan. That hiring plan is, a, is, a, is, is, is such a major, major importance in, in in terms of success of a retail operation. Um, attracting employees, number one, is one of the most crucial things in cannabis, because why? Cannabis, ladies and gentlemen, has the largest turnover rate of all industries can you believe that employee turnover we have the highest highest out of any industry guys anyone i'm just going to tell you me being a serial entrepreneur employee turnover is the biggest word we hate, man. It's cost us so much money. You you didn't, we all didn't realize it until you sat down and someone made you calculate how much time and energy you put into training that employee and how much time and energy went into training the new employee and spending up and get him a new email and get him a new desk, and all. It is so much money for every employee that turns over. And that's something that we battle against as entrepreneurs all the time. Employee, we work on employee retention. That's what you see corporate, all these big corporations, right? Giving you health benefits and gym membership, and now they're giving people subscriptions now for psychedelics and other stuff, right? They say, man, we'll give you whatever to keep you. You need to be working on employee retention because otherwise, in payroll and getting all this stuff together, you're not going to be able to attract that type of talent that you're going to need to run that business. So hiring plan, HR, payroll, all that right now, you guys need to be doing it. And I'm just going to tell you, come to the conference. I got the best person for it who does it all right there. You'll see him right there. RealCannabisEntrepreneur.com, October 5th and 6th, North New Jersey. Come to the conference, thousand plus... Uh plus speakers but they'll be there and all have that good info for you. <laughs>
1: yeah, so at the conference you're going to run down all it's it's basically really to teach the basic skills of opening a business, right? It, those are the points that you really hit in the in the focus of the conference.
0: Oh yeah, we cover everything. This conference is it, we call it the um uh this is going to be like a crash college course, uh academic 2 year, 4 year BA. You're going to get it all in 2 days. And people have told me this walking out of the conference. They say, "Gary, you know what? I learned more at the conference than I did At These accredited university courses that I took and cost me thousands of dollars because I make sure that all of my speakers are coming to give you very pointed information. We discuss exactly what we're going to deliver. I have I discuss with them and we decide what most important things need to be delivered to you. So it's very much a cliff notes summarize most important things that you need to know right now that does deal with cannabis and cannabis changes. 24-7. 24-7. Uh, like we say, one day in cannabis is seven to 10 days in any other regular industry. So it changes. Having these per- That was the reason why I wanted to do the conference. Having the people that have done it already, and they're the ones who know it in real time. This stuff changes all the time. So I got it. Every year, the stuff they said last year, half of it's outdated already. I got to get them to come back and say new things about this, 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 because everything's changing. So it's really important. Yes. Employee retention and uh, making yeah. sure you got everybody on deck. Yeah,
1: well, I, I mean, actually, why don't we wind it down because there was only a couple more questions, but I, I we should wind it down with talking about the show. I really want to like. Uh, okay. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Let's, let's focus on the show for a second before we we call it quits. Is um so. Um, so I, I love that it, It's it's a uh, Whatever you said Like a condensed uh, Kind of Yes yeah,
0: It's, it's of like life. a It's more like a uh, I, I, would, I would equate it More like a TED Talk Type of flow Like all of my speakers Are coming up in there Rapid fire right You guys see how I talk Like nice and fast We Jersey We Jersey We gotta talk fast Right <laughs> So I get all my speakers To do the same thing Hurry up Because I want them To plow it in there I'm saying guys Don't slow it down Speed it up Let everybody keep up With you It's recorded They want to go back They can rewind If they want They'll get the recordings But guys Speed Let's give everybody As much as we can In the allotted time and that is the reason why when my guys come they don't play around they're giving you like the most important stuff and most of the things that they're giving you are things that you cannot find in any book you cannot find in any magazine it's ungoogleable right i like that word ungoogleable you can't find it right um it is only the people who actually do it have this insider information. And that's the information that I have them come and deliver on stage to my audience to see from real operators who are doing this every single day, just did it yesterday, coming from it right now, showing you what's changing, what's different, how they're doing it, what they had to adjust, how they made it better. All those different variations of the things that are most important in growing a business. That's what I make our speakers focus on. That's the reason why we produce more successful entrepreneurs who really understand what this game really means.
1: Is it even I mean, I know it's mostly for education, but what happens at your show as far as vendors finding, you know, dispensaries and oh, yeah. You know, business, the business side of your show, I should say. Let me condense this. One. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, the business the business side. I mean, that's the most important side. And I, well, let me go back and just explain a little bit about how this conference came to be and why it is the format of what it is and why the name is what it is even actually. Okay. But yeah. back in 2017, my son came to me and said, Dad, you know what? I think they're going to legalize uh, cannabis in New Jersey. And I said, no way. They're not doing that Yeah, There's no way. They love locking us up too much. They're not going to do it, son. And I was the, the, the protagonist. And he kept saying, no, Dad, I'm telling you, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Then it started progressing 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 and I started so I said oh wow they really might legalize in jersey I just never could believe it because they harassed us over weed for so many years I got so many charges for stupid little weed charges in New Jersey that I just figured that New Jersey was going to be the last one because they just love messing with us about it right so I was like all right It came to fruition, I started paying attention to it. Okay, cannabis is coming. So at that time, I own a 27-year-old digital marketing agency. I was uh, filling events for the big motivational speakers, authors, and coaches all across the U.S. and stuff like that. My wife, she was doing all the experiential party stuff for them, doing the ice sculptures, the waterfalls, the chocolate this, and all the crazy stuff, right? We would do all the big dog stuff and have it real fly. So after we did that, we had fun. We went and started looking for Cannabis conferences to you know what we were used to. I'm also a marketer and I speak from the stage. I speak at a lot of the big marketing conferences all over the U.S. I was also used to a certain like type of flow. People telling me, "Hey, this is how you do it. This is how you do it." Da 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 da. I was going to the cannabis conferences and then it was more like. Hey, here's my dog and it's how much money I made and blah, blah, blah. And no one was really talking about, hey, this is what I do, first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. And uh, that was when the light bulb went off when I kept going to those conferences, my wife and I, and we kept saying, man, we're never gonna find what we're looking for. There's just, everyone's just talking this surface level crap and I I don't, you know, we're business people, 27 years, we gotta get right to it. Yeah, eventually, yeah. yeah, eventually, I just said, forget it, we're not gonna find it. My marketer light bulb brain went off and said, hey, You got a problem. That's what all us marketers do. Whenever we got a problem, we say problems equal money. Problems equal money. I got a problem. Hey, I should solve my own problem and make some money at the same time. (laughs) That's the win-win. So that's precisely what we did, ladies and gentlemen. I went and created the conference that I was looking for forever that I never could find. It's called the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Conference. It was the exact one that I wanted to find where I can get the people to come in and not bull crap me and just jump right into it. Give me the one, two, three of how you did it. Bang, bang, bang. As many of real people that are doing it, not professor talk, not people learning out of a book, but people that are doing it every single day that are going to have information that nobody has. That's what real cannabis entrepreneur is. Came to fruition, started 2018. We only had, uh, we started in 2018, 2019, and we had 500 uh, attendees. First one, we sold it out. People came as far as Zimbabwe. Second year, pandemic. We were two years, not even two months, not even 60 days from pandemic we didn't know at the time we had the big we our first big show 2019 packed the house sold out to uh, 30 days later the whole world shuts down
1: <laughs> right oh, wow <laughs> the
0: whole world shuts down i mean we were like what what we i mean we did yeah. ours in november and you know pandemic came in december right it was yeah so anyway Well, from there, we decided um, I really didn't want to do virtuals and all that because I didn't like it so much. And I wanted to do live. And then New Jersey was coming around to go legal. Um, We were going through the ballot. We were going to make the vote on the ballot to determine if we were going to get legalization in Jersey. And that was when the light bulb went off. And I said, oh, my gosh, guys, we're still in pandemic. That's when I kept thinking, no, this is going to be like the bird flu or something and blow over. We'll be able to do our conference again. the next." Then by the time we kept going further and further, I said, this is not leaving this is not going anywhere, (laughs) what are we gonna do now? And finally, I decided to do a virtual conference. When I did that virtual conference, that's the banner you see behind me, that was the one in 2020 or 2021. We did that, we piped it out and it became, it went gangbusters, it was a blessing in disguise. We did even, we doubled our numbers. We did over a thousand people at the virtual conferences. We did people from uh, 18 different countries, people attended from all over the place. It was the best thing ever. We did those so much that people said, Gary, you got to do them over and over again. We started doing two a year of those uh, until we came out of pandemic and went back live. So that's the story of Real cannabis Entrepreneur, ladies and gentlemen. And that's where we're at here to teach real... Cannabis entrepreneurs, how to do this thing, and that's what we do at realcannabisentrepreneur.com. Come to the conference October fifth and sixth. This is where you're going to learn it from the real people, and we got real operators. All of our people that are in the audience, these are all the people that learn from us. Everyone's getting a license right now in New Jersey. Has been to our conference, been trained by us, been to one of our things. They all know me personally, know my wife personally. They're all our friends. They're not like it's not a business. We're not a corporation. We're a family. We're a so everyone we know each other, right? So that's why when you come to our conference, it's very different because we got the culture. We're not these corporations try to run these conferences. And they don't have a real face. We're real people born and raised, uh, born and raised, New Jersey. And everyone knows us. So everyone's in the building, the real people who operate the real people, all the vendors. And that's why my sponsors get 300 to 400 percent return every single show. And uh, they'll all tell you that. I have them on camera. You can go to our testimonials page and you can see plenty of them saying how they sell, outsell the biggest shows, the biggest trade shows that they've been through in cannabis, where they got 10,000, 20,000 people our show, it real cannabis entrepreneur, but a thousand people will outsell it every time. It's because of targeting and because I'm a marketer. Yep, it's because
1: Excellent. I'm a marketer. Excellent! Oh my <laughs> god, this is a great way to end it. That
0: that,
1: <laughs> oh, that, that speech there is the end.
0: Yeah, okay. right. Yes.
1: yes. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com.
0: Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong, available now at dopehistory.com.